Welcome to the CareerWise Nurse Podcast. This is your place if you are launching your career as a nurse or are preparing to launch. If you're growing into your role or growing into a new role, or if you're seeking to thrive or just need a little refresh in your work as a nurse or your life as a nurse. Living your best nursing life doesn't just happen. It takes energy and dedication. On this podcast, you will have the opportunity to learn, live, and love all the experiences of being a nurse. Nursing is truly an amazing journey. It's your amazing journey. It's your license. It's your career. It's your job. It's your reality. And it's your certification. It's all about you. You will get strategies and stories, inspiration, information on how to live your best life in this podcast. This is all about helping you stay fresh, energized, and making sure that you are your best self on the job. And when you're off the job, when you finish that day shift or that night shift, or your day is done. And this is about today, tomorrow, and your nursing future. So hang on. Thank you for being here with me on this amazing journey that we call nursing life. Welcome to this episode of the CareerWise Nurse Podcast. I'm Natalie Dietrich, your host, and today I have the pleasure of being present with a special guest, Beth Quaz. Beth is a DNP. She is an advanced practice registered nurse. She is a CRNA. And what's really exciting about having Beth here today is she is the host of the Don't Eat Your Young podcast. And so I'm going to let Beth tell you about herself, her nursing work, and then we'll dive deeper into what Don't Eat Your Young is all about. Because like career-wise nurse, I want to help nurses live their best nursing life. Beth has a similar mission in mind with Don't Eat Your Young podcast. Beth, welcome. Natalie, thank you so much for having me on. I think you are doing a great thing by... Uh, inspiring nurses and showing them that there's a lot of things they can do out there in this great profession that we have. Uh, I've been a nurse for 30 years. I've been a CRNA for more than 20 years working in the operating room giving anesthesia. Um, I've always loved that kind of critical care nursing and anesthesia affords us to kind of think independently and be independent practitioners. I had been a CRNA for probably 15 years when I decided to go into management. I was the director of our uh, about 60 CRNA uh, group in a level one trauma center. Um, And I did that for about four, four and a half years. And throughout that time, I went through burnout and, you know, working in a hospital and trying to be the middleman between your CRNA group and do what's best for them also while supporting your organization and doing what's best for uh, the greater good uh, is a very, very challenging position to be in. And uh, we went through a lot in those few years in our group. And finally, I thought, this is too much. I had to 
kids at home and I decided to step back into clinical practice. But through that, number one, I learned a lot. Um, number two, it kind of burnt me out from hospital nursing, being a hospital employee. And throughout all of that, I, I looked around and I thought there are a lot of people that feel the same way I do. Nurses, nursing students, nursing aides, CRNAs, physicians, everybody. Um, and so I wanted to share stories from nurses uh, for all of us to hear so that, and for the general public really to hear what we go through uh, behind the scenes that they probably don't see. So that's how uh, Don't Eat Your Young got started. Don't Eat Your Young is a phrase that I've heard my entire career. Is, isn't that what, would you agree with that, Beth? It's been Absolutely. out there. And I've heard nurses that have been in it a lot longer than I have, have heard this term for decades upon decades. And it's not uh, unique to nursing, but I think every nurse has heard it and understands exactly what it's about. I have talked to nurses and they tell me stories about the challenges with their preceptor. And I'm sensitive to the fact that it's not easy to connect with every person, especially when you're in a brand new role and you're really relying on someone to show you the way when you start practicing as a nurse or start in a new role. But to help everyone feel successful, it's really hard for nurses in, in demanding situations to, 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 be, to do it all and take care of their patients while they're teaching someone new. It's really challenging. And so I don't condone any incivility or, or any behavior that doesn't fully support new nurses, but I can see where it gets really stressful and, and people can't always put their best foot forward when they're trying to just get through the day and do everything that's put on their shoulders day after day after day. So, so Beth, what you're doing to help nurses is really valuable. Your podcast has been out for all for about a year. Tell us a little more about your uh, podcast. And I, right. Thank you. My first episode um, went out November of 2020. And so everybody was crazed at that time. COVID was, you know, at the height and everybody was scared and didn't know what to do. And burnout, of course, was becoming rampant because of the unknown. And so I, started that podcast in November of 2020. Uh, my first guests were people that I would find on Facebook groups, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, and they were eager to tell their stories. They wanted it to get out. And I think I want to point out that the don't eat your young, the young is not a chronological age. Young can be a new nurse or a student, but it can be an older nurse starting in a new unit or someone that has is doing a procedure they haven't seen before. Um, and so young is anyone that just is stepping out of their comfort zone and trying to learn, learn something new. And now people who saw what went on during the pandemic have made a lot of moves. Nurses have changed roles. Maybe they felt compelled to come to the front lines. You know, what was happening in ICUs with covid in 2020 and even 2021, it was on TV. If you watch the evening news, it was right there. Uh, people were moved to go make a difference in people's lives. People were moved to get out of nursing or they were burned out or they had to take care of their family 
or maybe they wanted to find a role that didn't place them in the front line or on on the front line with COVID. It, it moved people for good or bad to do something that you know still serves, but it was an awakening. And I'm curious, tell us about some who some of your guests were, you know, just what types of topics you cover, because part of this translates into we said we wanted to talk about hospital culture. So tell us about some of your guests. I have had some amazing people on my podcast as guests. And I think the pandemic brought to light things that were already happening in nursing. We all realized that, that staffing was crazy and people wanted to leave. Uh, but I think a, kudos to you and your podcast. You're showing nurses what's out there for them and hopefully they won't leave nursing. And that's kind of what started my podcast. We started out talking about bullying and burnout, but also I had a wide variety of guests come on because I wanted nurses to learn about there's opportunities out there that you may not even realize. I have had a lot of nursing coaches on um, that and it's as unique as it can be. People want to work on, you know, physical attributes or mental health and they just want nurses to be better and have a a better career feel better about themselves Um, I've had ICU nurses on that gave the down and dirty of what happened during the pandemic and I know that nurses out there listening that were in the middle of that just were emphatically shaking their heads yes yes I understand I saw that I've had uh, friends of mine that aren't in healthcare listen to the podcast and say, we didn't know. We had no idea that's what people really went through, nurses went through. And so I think the variety shows the listeners there's a lot of opportunities out there. Don't don't walk away from nursing completely if you feel like you have a little bit more to give. And if you do have to walk away from nursing, that's okay too. When you talk about where people stand in nursing, whether they stay in, they go in deeper, or they walk away. Whenever I see someone post in one of the groups I belong to in social media, they say, I want to get away, or this isn't what I what I thought it would be, or this is so challenging. I just have to write that you have something to share to help other nurses, which is what I'm doing, which is what you're doing, Beth. There are so many nurses out there. It can be a niche opportunity for us, but it's very broad at the same time. I always want people to walk away feeling successful. And I recognize that work that nurses do doesn't always fit in their life. And at a point they realize I can't fit my life into this job anymore, yet they have something to share. So that's always what I want to tell people. I feel like I'm crusading like you to help nurses live a better life and to show them that they can make a difference for others. So with the CareerWise Nurse podcast and with your podcast, Don't Eat Your Young, we are still serving people. We're just serving well people or people that are not sick in the hospital and they have needs to be met. We're about their professional lives, but within that, the, the whole person is, is intertwined. Yes. So I, I always want people to realize they have something to give others a gift. And I've also really started talking a lot about what a privilege it is to have a license. Beth, you've been on the front line with patients as a 
nurse in your years of practice, and even now in your CRNA work. And I feel like it's really an honor and a privilege to have been there with sick people. Yet we go through our lives and that place doesn't serve us or doesn't fit in our lives all the time. And so even a nurse early in practice, they might find might find that it doesn't work for them. And we hope you and I, with what we're doing, to, to help them realize what options are out there for us. Absolutely. And I will say that I don't know if we, when we're going through burnout, I don't know if we realize how much it's affecting us. It's affecting our families. It finally got to the point where I had to walk away from hospital nursing, giving anesthesia. And I went into education. And um, I think that's always been my calling. I got my DNP after my master's because I knew that uh, educating new CRNAs was what I wanted to do. Um, I do still keep my clinical practice. I work one day a week in the operating room giving anesthesia now, but the culture in hospitals can be very toxic. And because I was in management and then stepped out of it and went back into the clinical world, um, it was really hard. I think I knew too much. I knew too much of how decisions were made and um, it didn't fit with me anymore. Just like you said, it didn't fit with my being and I couldn't do that any longer. And that doesn't mean that the hospital is bad. It doesn't mean that the care is bad. But I think nurses, just like you said, you see them say, I don't think I'm cut out for this. I don't think it's for me. Take a take a step back, take a deep breath, realize maybe that's not the unit for you. Maybe that's not the hospital for you, but there is a place for you in nursing. Once you're a nurse, that doesn't just go away, whether you do it or not with your license. Uh, I think we're on a crusade now, you and me and a lot of other people are trying to change this culture that we see is toxic and isn't working for us anymore. And I've met so many people that want the same thing. We are a huge collective. We all just need to come together, uh, prioritize what our needs are. And of course, our number one is taking care of our patients, which is what we want to do. And we just have to realize what's the best way to do that. Let's talk about hospital culture, but let's talk about the current events because that ties into what you just said, how we do that and who makes the decisions on care is a big part of how nurses are uh, quantified to do the job that the hospital wants done. You know, a metrics, a grid, staffing, that's something that, is a whole nother topic. That's a whole nother podcast series, a whole nother entity that is highly specialized. But there's some hospital, uh, you know, there's strikes going on, there's current events that are going on that can really uh, affect patient experience and the business side, and hopefully for the better of nurses. Let's talk about that. Right. So I live in Minnesota, and currently, as of today, we have 15,000 nurses that are out on strike. Um, they gave their notice. They're out on a three-day strike to start with. Um, I think in that they negotiated in good faith. And you and I spoke before. These issues aren't new. They're not new to the pandemic. They're they've been around for years. And I think nurses are finally coming together in solidarity to, to get some of these things changed for the better care of our patient. 
you know, we spoke also, I think short term, our patients may not get the care that they would have gotten yesterday. But long term, our patients are going to benefit from nurses coming together and saying, you know what, we've had enough. We are going to leave the profession unless things get better. And I think that's what this strike is doing. And there's, you know, all across this nation, nurses are coming together and saying, we've had enough. We need to be seen and heard and respected and treated as the professionals that we are. I agree with you. I know that um, some hospitals were giving raises in the last part of 2020 because they were so in need of nurses to, to be there. So they saw some need to invest in their own employees. Yet in 2021, after travelers were not renewed anymore, early 21, suddenly there was a huge need for travelers. And instead of cutting down on the number of travelers, they brought in a whole bunch more as if there was a greater greater need by the second quarter of 2021 that they did not anticipate thinking that we were beyond the staffing crunch and the shortage. So then suddenly you saw all over social media, all over the news, everywhere, the jobs, the need for travelers, the temporary staffing, and lots of conversations about how many openings there are in nursing for jobs to be filled. So the shortage continues. You're always having new people come in to do the work. And whether it's on, it may be short notice, like to fill a strike, a gap for a strike, or for just those 13-week contracts that travel nurses did. And now you hear stories about, oh, they're cutting rates on travelers. And uh, some I know some organizations are still trying to boost the hourly rates for the nurses that work in their organization, even scaling it by seniority or tenure. How long have they been there? If you've been there longer, you get a little bit more of another raise. But it still seems like nurses are not staying put or the conditions may not have really optimized yet. So we we have to just support the nurses that are there. And what do you, what do you think about, what do you yeah, see so going forward? I read something yesterday from a nurse, um, you know, I'm, we're in the midst of a strike. And so I read a perspective yesterday that really made me think twice about the nurses that are coming in and crossing those picket lines to care for patients. And I always thought, how could they do that? And somebody wrote yesterday, it's okay that they do that. We still have patients that need to be cared for. We're happy that somebody is there so that we can go out and strike and say what we need. We're all on the same side. And so thank goodness there are people there that are coming in to care for patients We'll be back on the job as soon as we can, but for now we're out here working towards something good for all of us. And so I think traveler, people filling the gap during strikes, they're all necessary, they're all needed. And um, it's it's up to the hospitals to make it right. It truly is. It's up to the administration. Nurses are out there telling them what they need. And now I think it's up to administrators to figure out how to do that. And when administrators, the hospital administrations or the healthcare system administrators look at the impact of uh, workforce disruption with a strike, or when they look at their retention rates, the attrition, they're 
patient satisfaction scores suffer when they don't have the continuity. So whether you're a unionized organization or not, those hospitals really want the best scores. That data matters to the people who reimburse the hospitals. And when you have the strike, the patient satisfaction rates go down. You see it in the ratings. There might be only a few people that fill out a survey from their hospital stay in May for a 32-bed inpatient unit. So if someone ranks a unit poorly on the 50 questions they get or the different categories, it really comes right back to the patient care director and they're telling their staff, wait times need to be shorter. We're working on that. Or the meal tray wasn't satisfactory to the patient. So it's actually a short turnaround to the leadership on the impact of what doesn't go well in a hospital. So we know that patients' voices matter and hospitals want everyone to be fully satisfied with their care because out on the website, you can see the patient experience posted. Yes, and people choose, if you have a choice in your location, they do look at those ratings sometimes and they will choose a hospital based on their rating. And so, like you said, there only may be a few people that fill that out, but of course it's extrapolated across a large number. And so you may have one unhappy customer that can bring a rating down and then that could be reflected on the nursing staff. Whether it was the nursing staff or not, usually we're the ones that get looked at more closely and told to do more. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's right. What can we do to fix this? Well, whether you knew it or not, you're supposed to come up with an answer right then and there at the start of your shift. The first question is usually, what could you have done differently to make this better? And, you know, most nurses are just trying to keep their nose above water and continue to stay afloat while more and more policies are handed down, more work is handed down. That's what nurses are demanding the change for. And I was an educator in a large hospital, which was part of a larger healthcare system. We were constantly having people leave to do other work out of the organization, out of the organization or in a different role in the organization or advancing to new roles. So we always had gaps in the educator roles because we couldn't fill them fast enough. And people had long tenures in the organization. It was a place where many people really launched their careers and spent their entire career, but there's constant movement. So that also affects continuity. Even when you, you feel like you have somewhat consistent staffing, it's just more and more work. I saw that there was more work handed off to us. It often felt like a code blue or an emergency to fix this or that. And it, from leadership, it sometimes felt like they were losing focus on the long-term goals because suddenly there were more infections. So that puts stress on everyone and it trickles down to the nurses that are doing the direct care. Right, absolutely. And how do we change that? That's what we're demanding right now. We know what's best for patients. We know what's best for the care that they receive. And now we've tried educating and now it's time to just stand up and say no more, no more. That's right. Let me up. I've had enough. Let's make this better. 
So Beth, let's just highlight a little bit about your role. Actually, I'd love to have you talk about your role as a CRNA because nurses are looking out into the career opportunities they may have. And your role as a CRNA, I find to be very exciting from what I've been told about it. I'd like you to share with nurses how they can um, learn more about that role. I would say if you ask any CRNA uh, if they love their job, you would get 100% that say, yes, they love what they do. They're satisfied with what they do. You know, you have to be have a minimum of a BSN. You can also have a master's in nursing to apply. You have to have minimum of one year, but I would suggest at least two years in a busy ICU. And by busy, I mean you're taking care of some of the sickest patients. You're having uh, post-bypass patients come to you. You're busy with trips. Some people, you know, in ICU RNs, of course, we're all busy and we take care of sick people, but you need to have, you need to be in a bigger hospital. It'll only help you in the long run. So after, you know, at least a year or two, three years in the ICU, start applying, start looking around for CRNA uh, programs that would fit you. Uh, The program that I work in, our clinical areas are mostly uh, right within an hour of our school. There are some rural experiences where you go out and you work um, with independent practitioners, independent CRNAs. Uh, and you could travel for hours. There are programs that uh, you can trip. You may need to take a plane to a clinical site. So when you're looking for CRNA programs, make sure you understand the travel requirements. Um, of course, money is associated with those travel requirements. So look into that. And then the next thing I would say is you have to have a GPA that's going to be competitive Um, A 3.0 might be the minimum for a program, but know that you're going to have to be far above that in the sciences uh, to get an interview in a program that's very competitive. So if you had some trouble in school and you didn't get the best grades in some of your science courses, retake them. Don't apply to anesthesia school and pay that fee to have them submit your and look at your application look at those classes that you maybe did poorly in and retake them to get them off of your transcript. And and I would just say work hard, get your ICU experience, uh, look at your grades, and then start finding a program that works for you. When you have finished CRNA school the and you're ready to apply to work as a nurse anesthetist, what are the job opportunities out there? Today? Oh my gosh, you can write your own ticket today. Uh, I started off in, uh, it was a level two trauma center, meaning we did um, most things, but we sent some transplants and things like that to a bigger hospital. We were given the opportunity to work eight hour shifts, tens, twelves. We worked sixteens, we worked 24 hour shifts. Call was built into that. So you could take deeper call from home. Uh, Those 24 hour shifts, you're putting three days into one shift. So you're getting a lot of time off. Um, those are some of the benefits. Uh, traveling for continuing education is not uncommon in anesthesia. So you get to go on a trip um, to get your CEUs. Right now, you can get big bonuses by signing on to some hospitals. And when you see that big bonus, make sure you look at the fine prints so you understand what you're signing on for. 
You can also work, CRNAs specifically can be independent practitioners, and we provide probably 75% of the anesthetics in rural America by ourselves. We're doing the peripheral blocks. We're doing the general anesthetics, the sedation. Um, so it's very rewarding, um, very autonomous. You can kind of pick and choose whatever you'd like to do. And I know that uh, there are outpatient roles, PRN roles. So I feel like this is a little bit of a mobile profession for people that have um, spouses that may travel for work, the military, or need to move in different to different parts of the country. It, it can, you can take this anywhere, just like nursing at the BSN or associate right. degree level. Right. Just like travel nurses are doing now, a lot of CRNAs are doing, uh, we call 1099 uh, or casual work. You can go anywhere. You can take a 13-week assignment, an eight-week assignment. You can pick up casual work anywhere you want. You just have to get through the credentialing, which is what takes the longest. It sounds very exciting to me to be a nurse anesthetist. And um, thank you for sharing what uh, your work is like and what you see and from your role in education and from clinical practice. I really appreciate you sharing so much today. And I just want to ask you, as we come to the end of the episode, how would you like nurses to connect with you? I have a website, uh, donateyouryoung.com. I have a Facebook group called Donate Your Young. Um, I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn. And I would love to have any nurse that wants to share their story that they think would benefit others to hear, to please reach out to me. You can find my email on my donateyouryoung.com website. And we really need to get more stories out. Please go out and help each other, inspire each other. And we want to keep you in the profession. Thanks, Beth. You are so right. We want to keep nurses here. They've worked so hard to make the dream a reality. And it is an amazing journey being a nurse. It is a good life. It is a great life. And we are driving our own ship. So it's not always easy to figure out what's best in our lives. Beth is here to help you with that through the podcast episodes. And you can help other nurses by sharing your stories through the podcasts that she has. And I am here to help nurses as well, because having been through years of practice, I know that it's it's not easy. And Beth and I both want to help people be successful. Natalie, what you're doing as well is amazing. And giving out the information for people to find their niche, I think, is incredible work that you're doing. Thanks, Beth. This is the conclusion of our episode today, and I hope to have Beth come back again because there's more to talk about in terms of what she's doing to help nurses. And I think uh, when we had the episode and I was your guest, we have other things to talk about in more depth again. The conversation will continue. Thank you so much. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast. Connect today with the CareerWise Nurse Podcast community. Do this by emailing belong at careerwisenurse.com. That's B-E-L-O-N-G at careerwisenurse.com. Join the CareerWise Nurse Facebook group. A link is provided at the bottom of the page. Leave a review for this podcast. Scroll past the episodes where you will see write a review. I read every review because I want to know what you think, what you want to know, who you want to meet, 
to help you live your best nursing life. Tap on the stars to rate this podcast. Thank you. Talk to you soon.